Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. Rachel. Van. What's going on? We've already done, we've done some pretty <laughs> amazing interviews already in the pod. Before the pod, we already into it. We really have we've been working hard for the people. You know, most people have signed off. They'll tell you it this way, especially in our industry, they'll say, I see you in January, but not us. We just knocked off several interviews and are ready to podcast now. We do our fucking thing. We do. Um, we do. So there's been some reactions to some of the issues that we talked about on the last podcast. What was I? I was the last podcast, Jonathan? Jesus Christ. Are you okay? <laughs> well, no, you know, I'm not okay. Yeah. You know, you know, it's just that happened. But, but wait, Jonathan, is that the uh, last not, one? Not so much Jonathan as much as the male molestation clip. Oh, that's gone viral. People have been sending that to me. And you, then, you struck a nerve, rightfully so. And then, uh, what else Anthony are we talking Edwards. about? Anthony, Anthony, it was Anthony. Anthony it was Anthony. Anthony. You yeah. know, you're right, because I thought people would be on you and they're on me. Are they? I don't think they're on anyone. I've, I've, I've gotten some messages. Mm. Uh, I want to <laughs> just address something about what I said about the male molestation clip. I want to address okay. something real quick and we move on. Uh, go back and uh, let's talk about stuff that, that happened on the podcast before. Uh, I want brothers out there to protect their healing as much as they protect their trauma. And that's very difficult for everyone. It's very difficult to protect your healing as much as you've protected your trauma. Our trauma is so very important to us because we feel like it creates us. We feel like it makes us. We feel like our trauma is the thing that's forged us out of steel, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like, I, I come from this place and I grew up here. I survived this. Like, you know, your life, it doesn't have to be this endless narrative about the things that you've survived I know that those things create bonds. Anytime you go through something with a group of people or or or, or, or uh, your family or your boys or your loved ones, you know, we've been through this, we did it together, boom, we overcame it. That doesn't have to be your entire narrative. Your entire narrative can be about, yeah, I've survived something, I came from this place, but let me tell you how I'm going to heal, fix myself, look at things differently and then go forth so nobody has to survive me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I'm doing a great job of that. I'm just saying it's okay to recognize something happened to me. I might not be a victim for it. I might not be tortured by it, but what happened to me was wrong. And moving forward, moving forward, I want to make sure I acknowledge that it was wrong so that it doesn't happen to somebody else. That's the important thing. It's not about whether or not you feel like a victim. It's about the fact that the acknowledgement of something happening it, it, it wrong means that we can move forward and you and, 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 and identify that thing in the proper context. That's it. Mm. That's it. Not trying to say, not, not trying to tell everybody to say, hey, to say, hey, everybody says, I don't want to be a victim. I don't want to look at it like that. It doesn't matter. What happened to you was wrong. And if we want right. it to stop happening, then we have to identify it as such because we don't want anybody to have to survive you. We don't mm-hmm. want anyone, I don't, we don't want you thinking that it's okay for your sons to do that. 
and then you put them up to doing that or you go get someone to do that to them, we need to talk about what's wrong and what's better for our sons and daughters. Okay, that's it. Yeah. That's, it. that's what I'm saying. We got a lot of podcasts today. Should we just get into it or you want you want to pleasant it up? You want to get pleasant? Well, uh, no, I'm fine. We could just get right into it. Why keep the people waiting? Yeah. They came to hear what we want to discuss. We had a half hour conversation last night. I called you. You called me. You and Kalika. Y'all both called, which I always love is a treat, right? When I can hear Kalika in the background or vice versa, Kalika calls, I hear you in the background. Yeah. I know it's going to be good, good, good conversation. That's great. All right, we got to talk about pay. So we got some guests today. We got Caroline. Oh, that's Portland. not what we talked about on the, that's not what we talked about on the phone. That's not. I can't remember what it was now. Oh, I do. It's about the bishop. Oh, oh, hold on. Wait a minute. <laughs> It's about the bishop. Oh, hold on, hold on. Wait a minute. D- Donnie, pop in real quick. Yeah. Should we do this as a topic or should we just talk about it right now? I just think right now, it. yeah. Because it's yeah, cause there's nothing gloves. solid. Donnie, yeah, it's getting silly on? out here. And the glove doesn't work with the, the laptop. <laughs> Donnie, you got one glove on like MJ, bro. That's yeah, crazy. is it the right side or the left side with MJ? I don't know. But with the TDJX stuff, I feel like all this stuff is kind of like it's not solid news. So let's not put it in the in the show. Let's get it done in pleasantries. I think that makes the most sense. Yeah, I agree. So uh, TDJX has been trending for the last couple of uh, Ashley. Okay, Ashley, look, got the little glove. Uh, has been trending for like the last day because of some of the wildest shit allegations. I don't even want to repeat the allegations. If you want to know why T.D. Jakes is trending on Twitter, go look at it. It has to do with stuff that's swirling around Diddy right now and stuff like that and all kinds of crazy allegations. All alleged. When I say everything is alleged, every single thing is alleged. And when I say alleged, it's not even... It's coming... I've seen a TikTok video that is making the allegations coming from someone else everybody has run with this like it's point of fact, like it's absolutely true. Why? Like, why why is everyone, everyone seems to believe this about T.D. Jakes and I'm trying to understand why when something is said like that, does everyone just go, okay, now we know who this person really is. Do you think that that's always the case or specifically with this, with the timing of everything that's come out as, um, that law in New York was about to adult survivors act was, was coming to an end. We started to hear, obviously we got Diddy, which was the biggest bombshell, but you started to hear about other people um, who had been accused. And so this kind of the, the timing of this, as well as how, who it involves and the allegations are so anti what this person represents or stands for. I think people are just in a position where they're like, well, what is the truth? What is the truth? Or I can't, I never expected to hear about this from this person. So what takes this person off the hook? I think it's just a weird time right now. I think people would be eating it up regardless. But now, in light of everything that's happened towards the end of this year, I just think there's more of an appetite for it. Is it bad to call for responsibility amongst us? By the way, I don't know T.D. Jakes. I've never met T.D. Jakes. I don't have a relationship with T.D. Jakes. I don't know nobody who know T.D. Jakes. Uh, I might, there might be some people who follow me or whatever, but I've never met, known, gone to the church, done none of it. 
you was one of his church parishioners for a while, didn't uh, you? Went to I went to one serve. I went to one service, See? and that was enough. I'm from Dallas, which, and I'm from Oak Cliff to be exact, which is where the Potter's House is. And then within that five mile radius, there are five mega, four mega churches. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I am. I don't know him personally, but I know a lot of people who know him or his family. Don't we have to be responsible? What I mean is this. So the Cassie allegations are allegations that are made in a lawsuit that have uh, great detail to them that are people have looked over and come together and there's been information compiled and it's taken time. And a lot of the other lawsuits that came out around the Adult, Adult Survivors Act ha- have dates and they have times and they have stuff that's been very thoroughly vetted and investigated, at least by the people who are bringing suit, right? If we're being honest, this is just talk. And i do not not saying that it's true or untrue. I'm saying this is just talk. Don't we have to be a little bit more responsible in the way that we respond to some of this stuff so that we don't just all jump on the bandwagon of this is absolutely true right away. But it don't, I get yes. the response. Right. That, I, we thing, should right? be responsible, but I think as human beings, there's just such a curiosity for mess and drama that it, it overrides being responsible. But what, what I will say in response to you using the Cassie Diddy, um, lawsuit allegations as an example is for years there were rumors about Cassie and Diddy. Not in uh, the specifics as to what was alleged in the lawsuit, but there were rumors that something was not right. And it took years for this lawsuit to come out and for her to be outspoken. And it kind of confirmed a lot of what people had speculated. So I think knowing that, who's to say now that some of the rumors you're hearing, there might not be some degree of truth to them. And I think that's how people think as well. Hmm. Hmm. well just, to look, de- just to play devil's advocate. Don't talk about the devil. Well, T.D. Jakes is like, you know, I don't know. It just seems like right now, it, I, I'm not saying, I'm not impugning anybody's reporting or saying whatever, I'm not doing any of that, but there's a whole contingent that's just moving forward as if this is the truth. It's yeah, and that's wrong. There, yeah. re- there's no article. There's no, pu- like, nobody's verified. It's, it's, but it's definitely was trending along with other words that we're not going to mention on Higher Learning. All right. Uh, big deal <laughs> of the day. you to explain to me? Did you have to explain? <laughs> you know to explain them to me. Uh, you know <laughs> um, we have no jumper news today. And a conversation Yay. with Mandy B from Horrible Decisions about whether or not you should show up for your employees if they get in legal trouble or your friends, your friends slash employees if they get up in legal trouble. Uh, this is inspired by a conversation happening over in the Jumperverse. We also have Caroline Corbin discussing uh, Colorado's decision to take Trump off the ballot for being an yeah. insurrectionist. You insurrection bitch, you. Uh, <laughs> but first, pay disparity in Hollywood. Taraji P. Henson, on the other side of this break. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress 
with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Taraji B. Ensign has a new movie coming out, The Color Purple, which a lot of people are excited about. Yeah. You gonna go check I'm one of them. You gonna go see it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, what's, I, your, what's your favorite moment from The Color Purple, the movie from before? Oh, it's gotta be when Suge can hear the church, uh, her father's church, and she can hear them singing the song. She starts singing it from the juke joint. That's my favorite That's part. That's crazy. That's crazy. I get, I get chills so, yep. when she's singing as she's walking back to the church, which if you've seen the movie, her father and her don't have a relationship because she's in these in these streets and he's pastor of a church. And that moment where she comes singing through, I'm going to watch it after this. No, you don't like it? You're making I love a face. It. That's, that's the best part of the movie. Interesting to me, though, that it resonates with you so much. Maybe that's your life. Mm. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, at Fuel City, <laughs> at Fuel City, Taraji mm. uh, B. Henson plays Shook in this new musical adaptation of The Color Purple, and she talks about her career. She talked about her career in a recent interview and the pay disparities that exist, particularly for actresses of color in Hollywood. She got very emotional while doing so. Donnie, I'm just tired of working. so hard being gracious at what I do getting paid a fraction of the cost mm -hmm. I'm tired of hearing my sister say the same thing over and over mm -hmm. um, you get tired mm -hmm. I hear people go you work a lot yeah. or have to mm -hmm. the math ain't mathing mm -hmm. and when you start working a lot you know you have a team mm -hmm. big bills come with what we do yeah. we don't do this alone the mm -hmm. fact that we're up is a whole entire team behind yes, us. Yes. They have to get paid. So when you hear someone saying, oh, such and such made $10 million. No, that's not that. That didn't make it to their account. Mm -hmm. Know that off the top, mm -hmm. Uncle Sam is getting 50%. That's right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So do the math. Mm -hmm. Now we have 5 million. Mm -hmm. Your team is getting 30% or whatever your team is getting, off of what you grossed. Sometimes not more. after what Uncle Sam took. Now do the math. Mm -hmm. So... I just I'm I'm, a, I'm only human and and mm -hmm. it seems every time I do something and I break another glass ceiling when it's time to renegotiate I'm at the bottom again mm -hmm. like I never mm -hmm. did what I just did mm -hmm. and I'm just tired, tired. Mm -hmm. I'm tired mm -hmm. I'm tired mm -hmm. I get that I get that. it wears on you you know because mm -hmm. what does that mean mm -hmm. what is that telling me 
What is it telling me? Yeah. And what does it tell me? Mm. Yeah. You know? And if I can't fight for them coming up behind me, then what the fuck am I doing? I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm. She also went on to talk about the fact that she almost walked away from the color purple because of her pay. I haven't, I haven't seen a raise in my income since Proud Mary. And almost had to walk away from color purple. What? Yes, ma'am. Who said what? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Because you know what? If I don't take a stand, how am I making it easy for Fantasia and Danielle and Hallie and, and, and Felicia? Then what, why, why am I doing this? If it's all just for me, what the, why are you here? Ooh, I mean, it's not the first time that Taraji has been outspoken about um, equal pay. I think we all were shocked and remember when she talked about um, that amazing performance she had in Benjamin Button and that she barely received anything for it. I can't remember if she said the specific number or not, but it was then it was, just I think, shocking. I think Brad made, I think Brad made 10 million and she made a hundred or 150,000. She had asked for $500,000, but I think she made 100 or 150,000. Is that what she was nominated for too? She was nominated for that role. Yeah. Wow. And she was nominated for an Oscar for it, which so meaning they had a whole push behind her to receive that nomination, but didn't want to pay her. Okay. Let's be um, fair now. That's the push came after the movie came out. You negotiate your, your, your salary before the release of the Correct. Movie. I know that, but mm -hmm. the decision still to push her in that, knowing what, that they negotiated her pay in a way that was significantly less than the guy who was, I don't even know if Brad was nominated that year, but the star of the, the film. Um, listen, black women in, in every industry, um, have been outspoken about receiving equal pay. But I think what strikes a nerve with this one is because there's a perception around being in Hollywood that you do make all this money or people do think that you've made it or they, or they almost aren't even sympathetic to you because you're in an industry that makes you famous. Um, and it's, and it's glamorous from the outside looking in. And so I think this was really powerful because it's not glamorous. It's hard out here. And Taraji is breaking the fourth wall by shedding those tears and calling out um, this industry and shedding a light on the fact that they're not paid equally. And I hope that more people, and she's not the first person to do it, but this is, I think in light of it being her and that she's done it before and with Color Purple coming out, you wouldn't think she would be the one, but she is. And so I'm happy to see her doing it. And I'm happy to see that, you know, Kiki Palmer put out something. Other people have been outspoken. And I'm glad that she's saying I'm doing this because of the people coming after me, not just for myself. So um, the, the I've seen a lot of positive messages and compassion surrounding her. So I'm happy. I'm happy to see that. Uh, yeah, I, I think that the pay disparity in Hollywood has to be addressed. Uh, pay disparities everywhere have to be addressed. I do wonder, though, what the best way to do it is. And when I say hmm. that, I mean, I think in order to address such a specific problem, we have to get into specifics when we're addressing it. You, you know? And I think that's just, 
in terms of it, like in a way to find a solution. We have to like dress, we have to address like specific issues here. So we have to know because the, the the disparity between Taraji P. Henson and Brad Pitt on Benjamin Button can be explained. I mean, it can be explained. He was nominated for Best Actor for that for that movie. Okay, he was. But like, but uh, that can be explained. I mean, that's that's really easy. the The easy one is is that he's Brad Pitt and had been Brad Pitt for a long time. This is post Mister and Mrs. Smith. He's one of the highest paid act- actors in 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 Hollywood. So, like, it's going to there's going to be a situation. They're coming to see the movie because of him. His face is on right. The it's not that he got ten million. It's that she couldn't even get half. Yeah. Well, half a million, not half of 10 million. If you if the question is, why would she get half? Right. I'd have to look at I'd have to look at. So I'm I'm, I'm asking. And so I, what, what I'm saying is, and I don't mean that to sound like crass or cruel. Uh, and this goes for anyone. Right. Yeah. If if if. I don't know, like Terrence Howard talks about how much he made. Terrence Howard talks about how much he made for uh, for hustle and flow. And it wasn't a lot of money. It wasn't a lot of money that he made for Hustle and Flow. Well, it's not going to be a lot of money that he made for Hustle and Flow because Hustle and Flow was a movie that had a very specific budget um, that was targeting a very specific audience. That's a big budget right. Hollywood. That's a big budget Hollywood film. And yeah. if you want to make a half a million dollars, a million dollars, or whatever for that movie, for them to play Brad, they're gonna they're gonna try to pay you what they can on that. Now, I would imagine that after Empire, when she had a larger cachet that she probably got more money. The reason why, I, the, the question that I'm asking, and I think Monique asked this question, and during the thing that Monique was talking about, I think this is the part of it that people did not listen to. The question is not if you're underpaid. The question is how much should you be making? Like, that's the question. Monique, when she was on The Breakfast Club, she was talking about the fact that she made, um, that Amy Schumer made 20 million bucks uh, uh, Chris Rock made 20 million bucks and Kevin Hart or whoever, Dave Chappelle had made 20 million bucks all for these specials, right? They had all made $20 million or whatever for these specials. Monique said something that a lot of people didn't pay attention to. People were asking Monique, do you think that you should make $20 million just like Amy Schumer or Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock? Like, do you think she'd be making that? And what she, one thing she said that people don't pay attention to is, no, if I'm not making 20, like, it can't be 250,000. It's got to be more than that, right? Is it not two? Is it not three? Is it not four? When I've won an Academy Award, she didn't throw those numbers out there, but basically I think she might've said two, but like, I won an Academy Award. I've been in hit movies. I've done in this. Why do I have to work? for $500,000. How much is a fair amount of pay for a career on the level of Taraji P. Henson or Monique or anybody else? And I'll tell you why we should be asking this question. She talked about Proud Mary, right? She talked about the fact that she hadn't received the pay raise from Proud Mary. The business is going to look at Proud Mary and go, well, why would you get more money after that movie that was both critically and commercially a disappointment? Like, why would you get more after that? Like, why would the pay go up after that? Right? When the movie was both critically and commercially a disappointment. Right? And that's the way to undercut her argument. She's almost certainly underpaid. There's no almost. She definitely is underpaid. 
The question is, how much should she be making? How much is she making? And how much should somebody with her career accolades and her time in the game be making? And then we can talk about it because we have to look at it in an intellectual way because if we don't, then we're just going to keep having the same argument and not really able to get to what's fair. I think I think you're missing something too in that. You're right, but I think that there's something that goes missing. Opportunity. So you've heard Black actors actresses talk about they don't we've talked about it on this very podcast there aren't roles and opportunities that are for their white counterparts that uh that their white counterparts have that they can get as well it just doesn't exist so if taraji doesn't have the long resume coming in it's probably because there aren't roles that are being created for her to have these roles we talked about angela bassett and her career you know empire you just mentioned that was a black show Mm-hmm. So like, she doesn't have the same opportunities to build her resume, to build off of a proud Mary or, and, and I'm specifically talking about her, but definitely she's somebody that's more prominent. There are other actresses, you know, you could talk about a Danielle Brooks that aren't necessarily getting those same opportunities. So how can they even be, how can you answer the question of what should they be paid when they're not even getting the opportunity to be paid? Hmm. That's true. That's true. The The fact that there are not more roles affects a lot of things. Number one, if there are not enough roles for Black actresses, Black people, but specifically Black actresses, because there are much many more roles for Black men than there are for Black actresses, then that's going to affect their, play, their pay inherently because less opportunity to be in movies means less opportunity to be in hit movies means less opportunity to be in movies that win a lot of awards and and yeah. get a lot of accolades, which also means that uh, if you can't do those things, you can't increase your worth in the city. So, right. it, and if you can't do that type of stuff, you're always going to be coming up against it when it's time to negotiate pay. Because in any negotiation for anybody anywhere, they're trying to pay you the least amount of money that they can uh, to get you to work. If it's Brad Pitt, and they want to pay, and, and you want thirty million. They're trying to figure out how to pay you twenty five. You know, if it's it's if it's whomever, they're trying to figure out how to how to how to how to pay you the least amount of money that you can. The question becomes, how do we look at the careers of some of the people that we feel like are being treated unfairly, and then hold people accountable for paying them what we think they deserve? And the way to do that, I think is more transparency in all of this. Now, people can't talk about contracts most of the time. They can't talk about uh, specifics most of the time, but they can talk about, we can have general conversations of worth. We can make people aware in all industries, not just in Hollywood, of what it means uh, to work 10 10, 10 years for one place, to work 10 years in one industry, like what you should be able to expect, what you should be able to negotiate, what you should be able to get. All those questions are questions we have to answer. They're conversations we have to have about all different types of stuff. And so mm-hmm. for me, you know, I'm looking at it and from the, from the standpoint of when I see her, I feel very moved by what it is that she's saying. But at the same time, I would like to try to answer this question. And it, the, the, the counters to it are so obvious. They're going to look at you and they go, oh, they're going to go, okay, how much is your shit doing? How much is this doing? What do you mean to this? What do you mean to that? Like, uh, it, 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 
Is it your time in the game that denotes how much you should get paid? Or is it mm-hmm. your success plus your time in the game? She is an incredibly successful actress. Like one of our goats. Like one of our goats. And to me, the question starts to become like from the business standpoint, like what's the worth of it? Like how do we talk about that? And then we can hold studios and producers and production companies accountable for what it is that they're not doing for these people that mean so much to us. And maybe it takes people that are prominent or looked at in a different way to speak up like an, like an Oprah. I mean, obviously she's behind Color Purple. That's a black movie. But just speaking up about black women, black, black actors, but specifically black women, because that's what we're talking about, having the opportunity to even take on these roles to where they can be paid more. Mm, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Do you feel like people treated Monique unfairly when she brought this when she brought this issue up? I think maybe even I, I think even maybe I wasn't as uh, I, I I didn't give it the reverence that that it needed. I think she was bringing up something that was very real. I think we took a defensive posture on it rather than why are you smiling? I'm listening. Go ahead. Keep going. Because right, I'm just all I'm thinking about is <laughs> black women being disrespected. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm just thinking of. Her words were disregarded. Her words didn't have magnitude. They didn't hold any weight. I think if she had looked different, they would have. I think people just dismissed what she said as like, oh, that's just Monique. She's just complaining when here we are quoting it in in as a, a resource towards Taraji's um, argument. This is clearly an issue that has been happening and is still happening in Hollywood and it needs to be addressed and it needs to be called out. So one of the things is you talk about her being one of our greats, Taraji. It takes somebody like her and others similarly situated to call out. And then the call out also is, hey, and I'm still struggling. I'm still not where I should be. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully the color purple does crazy, crazy numbers. I know I will be out there supporting the movie and we can make sure that our performers have what they need because she's talking about the fact that she's living in a very, she's working in a very expensive industry and it is an expensive industry. You get your money, it comes in, you pay your taxes and then everybody else got, got, got they got the, it is. Um, no, it is. Even as podcasters, it's like we got managers and agents and attorneys. And then on top of that, they have to have, as she said, makeup, styling, hair, social media managers. The whole deal. Goes the whole fast. Deal. Yeah, it's true. It's true. More um, money, more problems is a real thing. <laughs> I don't know if we want to go there. Like, oh, I think. <laughs> go ahead. Keep going. Think, Move, on. To... <laughs> Move on. Move on. I don't know if we want to go there. <laughs> uh, Move on. Um, Rob Smith. Have you heard of him before? <laughs> you know what? I've seen him a lot. I'd never put his name with that face. Um, Rob had something happen to him. He's a black gay Republican. And he uh, also an army veteran. Mm. He had a run-in with some white supremacists. She tweet, he tweeted this. Last night in Phoenix, I was confronted and surrounded by some white supremacists that don't like gays or blacks in the Republican Party. They shouted, nigger, 
and the F word <laughs> at me to make their point. However, I served in Iraq. I never backed down. There's audio of it. Donnie dropped the audio in now. He he appeared on the Abby Phillips show. Shout out to Abby. And uh, talked about it and tried to explain his thoughts on the Republican Party and Donald Trump, the state of the Republican Party and Donald Trump. Here it is. I don't focus on what people say. I focus on what they do. And when it comes to Trump, when it comes to the mainstream Republican Party right now, I have seen Donald Trump be the first Republican to ever, excuse me, the first president to ever enter office supporting marriage equality, either Democrat or Republican. I saw him partner with the RNC. Um, and the log having Republicans to spend over $1 million in a get out the vote effort specifically targeting gays and lesbians in this country. Okay. Um, and spend over $1 million to do that. Okay. So I look at what people do. And so now when you want to talk about having somebody denounce this, I've seen Donald Trump denounce white supremacy over and over and over again for the past eight years. I have not seen Ron DeSantis denounce this. I have not seen Vivek Ramaswamy denounce this. I have not seen Nikki Haley denounce this. I have not seen Chris Christie denounce this. So if we're going to talk about the future of this party and these white supremacists absolutely do exist in this party, we all saw me face them from face to face. I'm looking at soulless, dead-eyed white supremacists that, by the way, I felt that these people could have bashed my brains in had they gotten the chance. I deal with these people in real life. It's hard to even have a conversation about Rob because he's clearly delusional. If Trump had walked into that party, he would have said, ah, they're very fine people on both sides, period. Yeah. So I don't understand this whole <laughs> the whole notion of he's denounced white supremacy. What are you talking? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who like I, I can't even entertain this guy. Please go ahead with with Rob. Uh real quick for Rob, what you experienced was fucked up. You shouldn't have had to experience it. Okay. Um, but I'll let you know that the that part of the tent of the Republican Party. Uh, is is empowered. Now, white supremacy exists in every different sphere of political thought, on the left and on the right. We keep telling you this, white supremacy is not the shark, it's the ocean. It's the, the, the life giver of this country. Um, there is something specific about the Republican Party, though, is that the white supremacists there in that party must be coddled. They must be given a voice, Oh, they must be yeah. given an opinion. They must be counted. It's not a shame there. It is something to 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 deal with. It is some, a group of people that you know you can't turn your back on. The idea that Donald Trump has denounced white supremacy is just laughable, Rob. They asked Donald Trump what he thought about David Duke endorsing him, and he acted like he didn't know who David Duke was. We all know who David Duke is. Right, he we know that he knows because he had acknowledged David Duke in the past. You know, um, Donald Trump had had many times in the moment t- 
to scale back or temper down the uh, the growing white nationalist movement that was emerging during his presidency, and he he punted every time. And sometimes when he didn't punt, he uh, he got with it. So Rob, you chose this. That's why I don't feel sorry for him walking in that bar. Sorry, I, I don't want that to happen to nobody. I don't want it to happen to anybody. But this is you. These are also the people that you platform. You work with Turning Point. You stand. You're you're platforming a Trump. These the, the Trump is the, these people's gods. So I I just don't I I. It's hard for me to feel for him at all when these are the people that you stand beside and champion. All right. Speaking of Trump, Colorado. Kick them off the ballot. Mm. It's craziness. Crazy times in Colorado. Kicked Trump off of the ballot. That's done and over with. Uh, Caroline Mala Corbin is going to be on to join us to talk about whether or not this was constitutional, whether or not this was democratic, and why they did this. Rachel, what are you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, um, before we get into the interview, I know that for a while we've talked about the Democrats need to get creative like the Republicans and they need to find ways to combat what's happening with Trump and, and MAGA folks and all of that. Were you excited when you saw this or. And I say, and I, and I, and I say that I say this, but then it's also conservatives who are the ones championing this. They want it's because if it was Democrats who really were behind this, then they would have waited until Trump was won the primary and it was Trump versus Biden. So they're actually, it's conservatives behind this. So it's, I'm actually not proving my point, but I'm just wondering if you got excited because you thought, oh, people are against Trump are getting creative finally. I was intrigued. Okay. I think that's the best way to say it. All right. All right. I was intrigued. Let's hear what Caroline Malcorva has to say about it. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. You guys, she's back. She's back. She's back. <laughs> there, Whenever there are questions of constitutional law, we shine the Corbin signal in the sky. <laughs> Our most reoccurring guest, Caroline Mala Corbin, is a professor of law, University of Miami School of Law. Uh, she teaches U.S. constitutional law, 
First Amendment, religion clauses, free speech clauses, and feminism in the First Amendment. Oh, my God. Wow. Like, controversial feminism in the First Amendment. (laughs) Um, And we're here to talk about what happened in Colorado. Now, uh, there are a lot of people out here celebrating because they think that Donald Trump and his campaign are about to be wiped off the face of the planet by judicial decisions all over the country. And they think that because Colorado knocked Trump off the ballot by ruling that he was an insurrectionist. This interpretation of a constitutional amendment that doesn't let an insurrectionist run. Caroline, help us figure out what's going on here. Okay. So this all starts with the 14th (laughs) Amendment, which is an amendment that has all kinds of goodies. That's where you have the due process clause, the equal protection clause. There's also something known as the insurrectionist clause and the disqualification clause. And as you said, it basically said, if you were an officer and you swore an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States, and then you either engaged in an insurrection or you gave aid to those who did, you are disqualified from any office, military, civil, state, federal. You cannot hold office. Mm. Well, this isn't the first time that this has been tried in, in, in different courts. It's just the first time that it's been successful. So what was done differently here? Or maybe it was who was hearing it, um, uh, the Colorado Supreme Court. Um, what was done that made this succeed in Colorado? So again, it was originally, uh, I think you're referring the, re- the recent cases, not the cases right after the right. Civil War. No, because this, no, not, this, not about this. This originally implemented so that no, the, not like about the Confederates could not get back <laughs> into power. But the more recent ones, I think there are actually, I, I, there's, there's a couple of dozen of these cases. And many of them have been dismissed on various procedural grounds. So I think this is really one of the first that did not say, I'm sorry, but for various reasons, not having to do with the actual merits of the case, we're going to look to see if this language applies to Donald Trump or not. And so I think the difference with this court is they actually looked at the merits of the claim that Donald Trump was guilty of engaging in an insurrection. Criticisms of this decision are going to say that it subverts democracy and that uh, the primary voters, because this is for the primary, um, as I understand it, that the primary voters in Colorado aren't going to get the opportunity to vote for the far and away prohibitive favorite for the Republican nomination. Uh, and that the courts have overreached with this decision. What do you say to that criticism? So uh, so you're talking to a constitutional law professor. And really, uh, and the reason why I point this out is because the highest law of the land is the Constitution. And the Constitution lists certain qualifications for the office of precedent. You have to be 35. You have to be a natural-born citizen. You have to have resided in the country 14 years. And according to the Constitution, you cannot have participated, you cannot have engaged in insurrection. 
So according to the terms of our founding document, you are ineligible to be president in this country um, unless you qualify. And so it's the same argument as, is it undemocratic to not allow a 20-year-old to run for president? Is it undemocratic not to allow someone who wasn't born in the United States not to run for president? It's, it's part of the qualifications laid out in the Constitution that says you're not qualified. Mm. Do you think the Supreme Court will take this case? And if they don't or hear this, and if they don't, what does that mean? I don't think the Supreme Court wants to take the case. I, mean, I don't either. <laughs> this is, I mean, talk about putting your foot in it all over again. <laughs> and it still has the legacy of Bush v. Gore hanging over it. Um, but I, I think it, I don't know. I don't like to predict. I think it has to. I don't know. Hmm. Um, I think it, if it does take the case, um, and, and it should be, I should note that the court's decision said, listen, we're not putting this into effect right away. We're going to wait until January 4th before it goes into effect. So it built into the decision time for the Supreme Court to weigh in. Mm. And so I think if it were to weigh in, it would probably do what a lot of the other courts below have done and decide not based on the merits, but on some other procedural concern. So, for example, one argument, uh, this is one of the dissents said, is even though the 14th Amendment makes quite clear that uh, people who engage in insurrection are ineligible for any kind of office. It's not for courts to decide whether someone is eligible or not. This is something that Congress is supposed to be in charge of because the amendment gives Congress the power to enforce it. And so some people are interpreting that as only Congress has the authority to enforce that. Now, that's not the interpretation that the Colorado Supreme Court said, they said it's self-enforcing. It's enforcing right away. You don't need Congress to do that. Like all the other clauses of the 14th Amendment are, are, are like that. And so there's no reason to think this one's different. But that's a possible approach that the court could take. So they could find some kind of um, some kind of decision that does not require them to weigh in on whether or not there was an insurrection or whether Trump engaged in it or helped that, those but if, they, but if they don't hear it, then if they say we're not we're not going to take this case, then what happens? Like, will we see this happen throughout the country? Well, it depends. And so the only thing that immediately happens is that Trump's name is taken off the ballot in Colorado. And let's be honest, it's not like he was going to win in Colorado anyway. He right. Right. <laughs> so I don't think it actually has any concrete effect on the election. Now, again, there are other lawsuits in other states, and it may make other courts feel more comfortable in coming to the same conclusion because they won't be the first anymore. It's already been done and it was done quite thoroughly and persuasively. The argument is quite good. 
Um, and so it's possible that other courts will follow suit. It's also possible that other courts won't. Or maybe only courts in states where he wasn't going to win anyway. Um, so that I think that's that's the landscape. I'm really interested in the uh, the guts of this. And when I say the guts of this, I mean, insurrection is such a triggering word to the far right that we have been um, talking about January's, January 6th uh, at nauseum for the last couple of years. And the term insurrection has been one in and of itself that has been intellectually debated. Whether or not this was an insurrection, uh, whether or not it was a riot, uh, it seems to be a politically tinged term when it's used like that sort of uh, that sort of uh, volleyball. How did the Colorado Supreme Court a define it as an insurrection and then b say that Trump participated in an insurrection? It seems to be a political statement as much as it is one of law. Okay, so there you identified two separate questions. One was there an insurrection. And two, did Trump um, engage in it? I think the first question is, well, I don't think it's as hard. I don't think it's that hard. Um, I think it's understood to be, well, if you, I have the actual language of the court here, if you like. So, sure, of course. Um, yeah. Okay. So it's a concerted and public use of force or threat um, by a group of people to prevent the U.S. government from taking the actions necessary to accomplish the peaceful transfer of power in this country. So it, so I should be clear, the court did not say, I'm going to define insurrection for all intents and purposes. What it said is, at the very least, you have an insurrection if you have a concerted use of force to try and prevent the peaceful transfer of power in the democracy. And so... I, I think that's not that controversial, to be honest, right? If you're, if you're I agree. violence or the threat of violence to prevent the peaceful transfer of power, which is really at the heart of a democracy, I think that's fair to count that as an insurrection. Um, and then his participation. So his participation, yes. And, and here, um, there was a lot of the evidence was drawn for, from the January 6th report from Congress, mm. and it's quite detailed. And again, the lower court's decision was over 100 pages, and the um, Supreme Court of Colorado's decision was over 200 pages. They were very thorough about his particip- about the details of all of this. And they thought he was, he encouraged it, he want. I mean, uh, even before the actual violence on January sixth, he was laying the groundwork for it by denying the fact that he lost. Right. I mean, uh, the very fact that he stated again and again with absolutely no evidence, and um, in fact, he sued and lost immediately everywhere <laughs> that there was any election fraud. Um, and so he first, like the backdrop is this concerted effort to lie and say that he did not lose. And then on the day when he knew he had a volatile, devoted crowd filled with right wing extremists, 
telling them that they had to go to the Capitol and fight for their rights and do something about it. And the fact that he, you know, even as he heard news that there was violence, he did nothing except complain that Pence was not going to give him um, a second term. And so I- I'm doing a poor job of summarizing the factual elements. I'm really more on solid ground with the constitutional law, but but it, the, the, there is pages and pages of details about how he really um, incited people to become violent and prevent the certification of the election. That's really the heart. I should say, I'm sorry. I was a little, a more concise summary is no. he incited the crowd to prevent the certification of the election and allow the next person to take the reins of power because he did not want to let go. Hmm. How, I, I don't know if Trump's lawyers have already appealed um, to the court yet in, in regards to what's happening in Colorado, but what are, or how strong are Trump's legal arguments? And I think I read somewhere that Trump's lawyers are saying that this is the political, this should be a political question for Congress and not determined by the higher courts. Is that true? And how strong are his legal arguments? He ha- there are a lot of different arguments. Um, and so, I mean, one of them, uh, the lower court of Colorado, for example, held, found that Trump definitely did engage in an insurrection, but he didn't count as an officer of the United States for purposes of the 14th Amendment. This is not a particularly persuasive reading of the language, but there are people making that argument, and it was persuasive enough so that the Colorado, um, the lower Colorado court agreed with it. So that's like one reading of it. There's also, again, this idea that the even assuming he meets the criteria laid out by the insurrection clause, it's not the Colorado courts that have the power to enforce it. You, the problem with giving any kind of analysis about the strengths of the merits is these are all novel questions. This is new. Mm. Like, it's kind of like catnip for con law professors because there's so many new <laughs> issues and so many interesting things to think about. Um, but at the same time, it makes it hard to really give you an assessment of the merits of the claims because they're new um, and we don't know. And the um, so I, I again, one of these questions mm. is I, I find it persuasive, but I'm not sitting on the Supreme Court of the United States. You're so excited by constitutional law. This is going to be on your final exam. This is going to be a part of it. She can't help herself. (laughs) She's so excited by law. (laughs) I was really, I'm teaching um, constitutional law one this next semester, which is about the balance of power among the three branches and federalism and judicial review. And I usually start with Marbury versus Madison, which is this old case that makes it clear that the courts have the power to review the acts of the other branches to make sure they're acting constitutionally. And I'm like, maybe I should just start the course with this decision because it's so interesting and so engaging. I I don't know. But um, it's really quite interesting and raises all kinds of questions about political questions about. Yes. 
Lots and mm. lots and lots of issues here. I love it. Theories well, of constitutional Corbin. interpretation. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> because so, so one of these arguments about whether the clause, because this, this is like a major issue. You would think it because the language. Not the language. <laughs> and like the language says, right, no person uh, shall hold office who has previously taken an oath as an officer of the United States, right? And you're like, officer of the United States is obviously includes the president. Like, what is the president except an officer of the United States? That's, the, that's a very straightforward understanding of the clause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's an argument about whether it is included or not. And it may depend on your theory of constitutional interpretation. Do you read the language in its ordinary everyday use as it was understood? Or is officer of the United States more a term of art? And we have to like dig a little deeper to understand what it means. Now, as it happens, right, this Supreme Court, this U.S. Supreme Court is a real fan of the original public meaning. Like as originalists, they're just like, we just look at what it means to the ordinary everyday person. So it would be a little surprising if they said the officer of the United States didn't include the president. But there's so many arguments that you can make. Like people say, well, but they didn't specifically list the president of the United States. And they specifically listed some, but you can make a negative inference. Or at one time, the draft included that it was the president and then they took it out. So therefore, we should assume they didn't mean to include the president. Or, you know, it's one thing if you give states the power to decide state officials, but this can have ramifications outside of the state. I mean, there's so many arguments you can make, even about something as simple as whether an officer of the United States includes the president or not. Mm. Mm. Professor Corbin, thank you. Okay. Sorry, we are a little long about that. But no, we love it. That was just one question. And there are like 20 questions that I can do the same thing for. There are a lot of legal issues here. The excitement is palpable. You loved it. <laughs> I, I can I can I can tell that when this came, you were like, oh my God, what a you know. And I, thank <laughs> you for giving me the excuse to spend <laughs> half a day reading about it instead of editing the paper I should be. <laughs> I think that this is gonna be a very contentious election season with a lot of legal yeah. challenges and the such. So we're just getting it revved up and we're going to look forward to having you back on Professor Corbin. Thank you for joining us on Higher Learning today. Always a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. You could be doing anything this week, right? You've got work, errands, friends, and a whole lot of fun in between. That's why the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the capable SUV that's built for your life. With premium interiors, available wireless charging, and room for your whole cargo and crew. Okay, Hyundai. Visit HyundaiUSA.com to learn more about the all-new 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use Gift Mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. 
Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. It's time to talk about pod issues with the pod mother. That should be me. <laughs> Mandy. So look, if you guys know, uh, if you guys know uh, about horrible decisions, see the thing is, that's Mandy on the mic both times. She really is one of the hardest working podcasters and content producers in the entire game right now. And I'll tell you something else uh, about horrible decisions. The best podcast live show that exists. It's Thank not even you. Close. We know it's, we, we know. it's not, it's not even close. I mean, um, I wasn't going to toot my own horn, but yes, it's called a production. And <laughs> you know, the potters just don't know how to do it. They, you know, they're, they're, they're they'll get there one day though. <laughs> who, who besides, who besides you guys has the best podcast live show, would you say? Ooh. You know, what's crazy is I've been to so many um, and they're not even close. Um, so I don't know. I honestly can't tell you anyone. I would say, you know. Yep. Sorry. I, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> Donnie, clip that. Time to be messy. Donnie, <laughs> Donnie clip that. Time to be messy. Stop it. I'm drawing a blank here. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was all, the pause, I, Mandy. All of us can make money. All of us are doing a great job. And I love that everyone has their own audience and is being supported. You know, there's rappers that are canceling shows out here. Yet we're out here really flourishing in the market. So shout out to all the podcasters selling out their live shows. And, you know, making the money, making the coin. No, go. keep when that it, original when, energy when that you had from the beginning. Up, That's what when I want. That's drawing me to the show. <laughs> I got to go see one of these live shows. Don't bring that other stuff in here. Keep that. <laughs> okay, so Mandy could be joining us to talk about, you know, any number of topics that she is well-versed on. If you listen to See The Thing Is or Horrible Decisions, they cover the whole gamut uh, relationships, pop culture, yep. sexual congress, all of that stuff. But this one is very specific. Uh-huh. I want to have Mandy on for And it has to do with something that happened over in the Jumperverse. Yes. Yeah. So I'll give you guys a quick Which rundown. Which I'm not a fan. I, I Wait a second, Rachel, you're shaking you your see- head. <laughs> I know that I just, I just threw a little bit of shade. I would love to know, for those people who may not be watching on video, you vehemently rolled your eyes, you sat back, you <laughs> sighed. I don't know if that was captured in the microphone. I would love to know your views on the No Jumper network and, and Universe over there first. Yeah, no, absolutely. The What you saw was complete disgust. And I'm not going to hide it. We've had Adam on this podcast. We've talked about No Jumper and the fallout and the implosion against my wheel. I will say that that is the same thing. I, even though I am very excited to talk to you, Mandy, I would say that I, I, anytime we have to talk about No Jumper, I'm just not a fan. Although I will say, I will admit that when the whole implosion happened, I, I was drawn in. I love mess. I like reality TV. This was reality TV happening in front of me. So I did, you know, have a moment of weakness, but I'm back now. I'm just not into it. I'm just not into okay. it. Because I think Adam is, is a piece of shit. And, and there's so, really no other and, way to so say it. Not, not from any bias standpoint. Um, I've been on No Jumper and Adam and Lena have both been together during the pandemic because we could do virtual things on horrible decisions. Um, but yeah, everyone's views on him are very interesting. So I'm going to let, you know, Van lead the way because just so I mean, you look, know, I think I, I just got brought here so that Van 
could tear my ass that's open. Not no, true. No, no, no. That's not true. That's what you like to do is tear people's asses open. <laughs> like, you gotta, gotta get to, to the that podcast. live show. Gotta uh, get to that live show. Um, okay, first of all, uh, like I everybody knows I go on no jumper. I talk to Adam. A- Adam is who he is. Yes. But I think piece of shit is strong. Okay. Very. I think I, think, I can go down the list. I can go down a list of things. Okay. I can. I'm fully prepared. Like okay, okay, you're fully prepared. It's your. It's 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 your. But, hey, this is what happened. This is the deal. I got. We got to get into the thing, Rachel. Okay, you ready? Okay, we got to get into the thing. Um. So, if you watch and listen to No Jumper, and this is a bigger question than even Adam here. Uh, you know that there's a guy on there named Crip Mac. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna put in a little sound right now, Donnie. I'm gonna give you a sound later of Adam on the Adam and Wax show. Talking about the fact that Crip Mac, a huge, huge no jumper draw, brings in all kinds of views for no jumper, has had some recent legal trouble. He's been arrested on a gun charge. He is currently in uh, police custody or in the custody of the state or the government. Actually, I think it's a federal charge now. And uh, Adam's Crip Mac's manager had asked Adam to come show up at Crip Mac's bail hearing to vouch for him. They were telling me on Monday that they wanted me to come and try to talk to the judge on uh, Wednesday, but I already had my whole f-ing week booked to interviews and couldn't like, do no, it. No, 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 Adam. That's and that's when they said they're not going to let him out while he's waiting. Okay. I know, but what am I going to do? I got people flying nah, in to do interviews. Sure, I got to sure. cancel my whole... F- yeah, yeah, but you could pause the interview a little bit. Yeah, you could have went, you could have like blocked the interview could wait a little bit. You could have been like, that's his life. Like 12 to 2. I got my whole week booked every week. Look at this. Wednesday, I got... Seven things I got to do throughout the day. When I heard that, I was like, damn, bro. That's some real shit. Like, hold on. <laughs> like that. So somebody's freedom is on the line. You can't go show up for them at court. Uh, that's crazy. I think everybody, the entire internet that watches and listens to No Jumper reacted the same way. Like, fuck. Even Whack, who doesn't fuck with Crip Mac, reacted the same way. Okay? Mandy, you see it differently. I have such an unpopular take on this because where you said everyone had the same response, I was like, how does everyone have this same response? Few things, right? First off, you said exactly where my mind went. Adam is the boss. Crip Mac is an employee. Let's bring this to corporate, which I love to do. I used to live, I used to work in corporate, right? Mm -hmm. If at any point, I got into any sort of legal trouble, it would be ludicrous to think that my senior manager, my boss, the CEO, my partner, anyone of upper management would come in support of me to say she is such a great person. Let's also go back. We ain't seen nobody. We all got also really upset at all of the character letters that were sent into Tory. So where, what are we talking about here? Like, to me, the hypocrisy of what the internet expects also from a network that, if I'm not mistaken, let's talk about where we're talking about street stuff. Now, listen, y'all, this is all alleged. I don't want y'all coming for me. But Adam had a neo-Nazi on the platform and fired every motherfucking body at one point, right? They quit. They left. They would say that they left. But and then yeah. guess what? They all came back. Like Adam, who came back? A lot of okay. No, none of those guys came back. None of those, if you talk, yeah, if you talk about the background being in the community, Sharp, guys, Sharp is yeah. still there. Is Sharp, Sharp still there? Some, Sharp, Flacco, and some of them guys didn't leave, but none of the guys that left came back. So when we're talking street code, then 
when we're sitting here and expecting Adam to uphold some level of street loyalty to men that are in the streets. I don't understand why for everything else that we've seen of Adam, <laughs> not only the neo-Nazi, he's also a porn star. And I'm going to say star because he's doing great over there. He's doing great so, porn. He's doing amazing over there. These ideas that we want this person to be this upstanding citizen as if we, he hasn't shown us exactly who he is, is ludicrous. Let's also be very clear. Kurt Mack also just went on and said how he was hurt that he wasn't even invited to Adam's birthday. Hmm. So are they really friends? You guys think these podcasters, because they sit on a mic every week, are friends? Mm -hmm. This is a business, people. If your coworkers <laughs> and your boss wouldn't show up, if you did, here's what I used to tell people. If you stay out of trouble, you won't be in trouble. I ain't oh gonna hold God. you. I tweeted it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sounding awful now. I tweeted it. Wheezy, Bridget, love everything we've done. If you get into fucking legal trouble, I ain't showing up. Bitch, I got people to interview with. I gotta keep the business going. Get I am not showing up. It. Because you know what? You should have made better decisions in life. Oh, yes. Okay. Whoa. Mandy. Whoa. A lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Motherfucker. Van, ahead, Rachel, if, you don't, if you don't show up for me as a character witness, oh, because coming. I could be wrongfully accused, and I'm, I'm showing coming. up for Van. I'm I don't care coming. if they have video evidence, text messages. I am showing up. I'm putting on my glasses. I'm going to be Rachel from First Baptist Academy, taking that stand as your character witness. Mandy, I'm Rachel, showing up for you. Hold on, I'm, hold on. Mandy, I'm showing up for you. Hold on, Rachel. Not you being Nicki Minaj. Now, if I know you did some, some shit that ain't oh, right, I don't care if well, you wait, love me. Wait, wait, it, do, it does depend on what you did. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. It depends on what you did. No, no, no. Rachel oh, just said, Rachel no. just said, I don't care if there's text messages. Okay, wait a minute. Stop. Stop. No, no, no. It, it can't be, it can't be whatever her husband's <laughs> name is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ain't going down for that. On, it depends right. on what you're accusing. Right. Okay. Thank you for bringing me back, Mandy. I went too far. I went too far. You went a little far there. Can I just say that I too, I was not shocked. I agree with you in that I, too, was not shocked. And I don't think this is an unpopular opinion, but I never would have expected Adam to go down because Adam has shown, one, that he is not a friend. And to your point, I will say, it's not just because they podcast. He has said, we are friends. He's verbalized the fact that he and Crip Mac are actually, is that his name? Yes. Crip Mac, Crip Mac. Yeah. Are friends. Um, but he has shown time and time again that he is not a friend. And that he doesn't really care about black people. Rachel. And there's a girl. Wow. Ma'am. We on the mic. You my home girl. When you on the mic, you call everybody friends. This my friend. Welcome my friend who's on the podcast <laughs> today. I'm don't. just saying, there's people you can have a couple conversations with when you're on a microphone. And just when talking about people, one of my friends, we use the, the word friend really loosely. And again, knowing that okay. Craig Mac just felt a way that he wasn't even invited to his birthday party. I think we've been seeing that go viral lately, right? Girls saying they're inviting all their friends and only two people show up. Where are my real friends? We use so take that the so loosely, and I think that's the thing. You take are an employee. Crip Mac is an employee of the No Jumper universe, and I but, think that that's, that's where but, the, but here, the line is blurred. But here's the thing. I think the line is blurred, and I think Adam blurs it. If I'm holding For it, sure. I'm, so the line is blurred. I'll tell you why. 
There's a thing that happens on No Jumper that where the streets and the podcasting get blended. Murky. Right? Mm-hmm. Murky, right? Because everybody talks their shit on there. And because people talk their shit on there, there might be things that are inside of the office or on the content streets that spill out to the actual streets. And then what happens is the street niggas around you, you kind of ask them or need them to show up for you. Like, for example, Adam is in the interview. He's asking questions. He's doing this thing. This guy gets up. He's about to get on Adam's ass. Crip Mac goes, if you touch him or you try to do something, I'm going to beat on you. I'm going to do this. Like, Crip Mac is defending Adam. We've seen times in the past where it's when AD was there, right, and something would go down because of different stuff, those guys step in and they show up for Adam. And so I think the, what's really happening over there, and I think this is very important for everybody to take to take stock of, is there's a, a cultural glitch. There's a different way in which guys that Adam is around, it's a different way that they love. It's a different way that they interact. Like, I've, I experienced this at TMZ. I was at TMZ and I was working there for eight, nine years, 10 years, and I'm meeting people's family and mm-hmm. I'm hanging out with them and I know their kids and I, hey, you run into somebody at Santa Monica, you talk for us. And so then, like, when the shit is over over there, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Like, my dad dies and nobody reaches out. My, my, my nigga, I, 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 like, we on the same league basketball team. I've known you for a long, long time. So I think if there's a lesson to be taken away from this is that there is actually a different expectation of cultural loyalty that sometimes you don't get at the place that you work because they don't understand how you view it. The only thing that Crip Mac knows, though, I think this is important, is that Adam said, this is my friend. So okay. the only so if, with friend, what, what we're talking about right now, and everybody at No Jumper, everybody needs to hear this. The only thing Crip Mac knows is that Adam has said, this is my friend. And so when he says, this is my friend, what we expect is if you're my friend and my freedom is on the line, is that you take, Adam said he had too many interviews scheduled and he couldn't do all the interviews. If you're my friend and my freedom is on the line, that you take the time up to come and show up for my shit. Listen, I understand. I, I, that was one of my points that, that he said that, but the latter is that if you've I don't even know Adam well, but I know enough to know that if history has predictive value, he has constantly shown yep. that he does not show up for his so-called friends. He shows up for and himself. So for himself, he is totally, and, and everything that he does, whether it's creating a podcast that is on, is the foundation of it is black culture. You're surrounding yourself with other people on the mic that are black, yet you bring on Nick Fuentes, who totally... Yep. Talks bad about black people in such a disparaging and hateful way. And you not at one point defend black people in general. That's your audience. Those are your alleged friends. This is why I call him a piece of shit. And this isn't even talking about what he did with House Phone and ended up imploding the whole thing where these where the, everybody left. And I, I hate that I even know all of this. Rachel, you he ended up losing his so-called friends because of how he treated another friend. Time and time again, Adam has shown that he is nobody's friend. He cares except his own and most of the time his wife. Oh, shit. OK, well, I'll wait most of the time. Most of the time. Look, I'll say this. If it was 
Alex. Shout out to Alex. If it was Andrew, if it was Charlemagne, if it was Mandy, if it was Wheezy, if it was Rory, if it was Maul, if it was any of these people that I have, I mean, not necessarily with you and, and, and Wheezy, but any of these people who are homies that I have mostly professional relationships with. Like, these are all people that I know and I fuck with, but I have mostly professional relationships with. If I could do anything, like anything, if I could do anything to ensure their freedom, Mandy, like, like if I it could show up It depends what for- you did, but for the most part, I'm going to drop a, par- a prayer emoji when it hit the shade room. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers. And when you, when you get your sentence in, I'm a, I'm, I'll add to the commissary. If you become free, I'm going to be like, bet you won't do that shit again. And like. But so you mean tell me right now, I ask you this. Yes. Me and you have been knowing each other five, six years. Longer, maybe, longer. maybe longer. Maybe longer. Probably, probably longer. Probably yeah. like actually longer. If I got knocked on a gun charge, let's name the charge. So this is what Crip Mac. Which Crip is Mac's a gun charge. Which, if wait, I, to also be fair, the gun charge is also that he has previous charges, which is why, like. Yeah. This is like strike three for that motherfucker. If so, I, get, I don't know I, if y'all cuss all here, but it's like, yeah, we we too. Sir, you had that. a few if, chances now. If I get knocked on a gun charge, Mandy, if I get knocked on a gun charge, Van is in New York. I'm coming up to court. I'm like, yo, I, Mandy, I need you to show up for me, man. Tell everybody what a good person I am with the black, she drinking water, with the black Negro Americans. I need, I need somebody, I need you to show up for me. Are you showing up to court to say Van is an upstanding individual? Let's say you got a full day of interviews booked. Let's say you got interviews booked. Let's say Rihanna is coming on uh, horrible decisions. Adam didn't I ain't even going to hold you. Day. I've gotten into an argument because of who we had to cancel because of health reasons with a coach. <laughs> so I'm going to tell you now. <laughs> Baby, I'm sending a letter. They want it on PDF or Word doc. How they want that thing? <laughs> Mandy, I, I tell you, Mandy, this is your white side. This your white side. No, it's not. Check this is your white side, Mandy. I got, I got, arrested, at, I got arrested at the top of last year, called Wheezy from jail and said, girl, I ain't going to make to the recording today. If you got to record a solo, go ahead. But I'm locked up. Don't know when I'm going to get out. I didn't tell her, girl, come up here and save me. When I went to court, I went on my own. Let's also be very clear, too. Just got stopped at the border coming back from Toronto. Had to call Bridget. Say, girl, I'm a, I missed my flight. I'm going to make it a little late. We're going to push scheduling back. I'd have made some decisions in my life where I don't expect anybody to sit here oh, and bail me man. out to, to anything. Like, I'm, like, and that's where I'm sorry and this is awful. I try to live my my life as straight line as possible. I stop at stop signs. I slow down at yellow lights. <laughs> if you are out here making poor decisions that will get you into the court of law or locked up or in jail, I'll see you when you get out. But the business <laughs> don't stop and my bills is not going to have to stop being paid. So I got to keep working. <laughs> At least, right. at least you know where you stand with oh, you, and I appreciate that. I tell everybody, that. by the way, this is this is documented history. Don't commit a crime around me because if you get me caught up, I'm snitching. Oh, I don't see, care. that's I, different. I'm you snitching. You know I'm with that. You know I'm right. with that. Like, I'm here yeah. to snitch. I, yeah, I don't run by street code. I don't run by street code either. But that's where I think the same way people are dating and not really sure where they stand with their partners. It could be a situation ship. The holidays are around. You're gonna see if that's your man when. Christmas come around, right? When New Year's <laughs> come around, I think that there needs to be a check-in to really see where you stand in friendships. 
And I think that, again, they both had a different definition of what their friendship entailed and what loyalty looked like for both of them. Oh, yeah. I I think that's a good place to leave it. I'll say this. I just think everybody, this is where cultural translation matters. Because where I'm from, where I guess Rachel's from, definitely not where you from, Mandy. Don't do that. Where, you know I'm from where, Florida, Fort Sam, Chapa City. Where, where I'm from, it's been dudes at the gym, at my boxing gym, like literally at my boxing gym, that have been like, Van, look, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. People respect you. Like, I'm in some legal trouble. Like, can you come down here and Bob, I'll go. If it's between you and going to jail, like, I, I'll go. Like, hey, bro, I, I need I need some help, man. Like, can you can you call and even talk to the person? Can you do whatever? I'll do it. It's like it, it, I box with you all the time. I know you. I, you're, you're my friend. You I don't know someone because you box with them. I know that I don't want you to go to jail. How about that? Jail. I know. I know. I don't want you to go to jail. Now, obviously, if it's a, I ain't gonna hold a, you, Ben. I'm back to Rachel. Ben, your first question needs to be now. What did you do? I do ask what you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what did you it, do? Yeah, to get into we, this predicament, sir. Yeah, I, I get it. But at the same time, I think even, even if it's a dope beef or if it's a gum beef, man, you know, brothers come from specific places and we need the legal system to be as lenient and cognizant of that as possible. And I do think, last thing I'll say, though, and then I'll give you the last word, Mandy, uh, so you can tell everybody out there how you're going to fuck over them in the, in the future. I'm, I, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll say this. is. I think it is a kind of a situation where there's a muddling and this happened before at, uh, over at No Jumper of the street black culture ethos of friendship and the just the white man's view of how things should work. And they that's chose to, They chose to work for the white man. Let's be very clear. They chose to work for that man. Oh, everybody made that choice. Man. They made the choice to work for the white man. And I think that if, if I could say one thing and what we've seen in this pod sphere, the pod wars, the pod beef, being in podcasting is the very true fact that there is no way possible to maintain a healthy, loyal friendship in business. Let's be very clear. So where you sat here and thought people was your friend, when it came to business, business came first. And at the very end of the day, both will not exist. You will either keep business, you will keep your friendship, or both will end. Mm. That is it. <laughs> our, our days are numbered, Van. Our what? days are numbered, period. We were just, we just on the phone last night. This is That's like cute. my sister. I, I we know do y'all been thing. doing. It's okay. Y'all don't have y'all little bumps in the road soon. Oh, we've had oh, some we bumps. Have <laughs> 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 we had some bumps. Oh, we already have those. We had some bumps. That's family. You know That's what family but does. Yeah, I, yeah, I think we, this, the, the friendship in business, and I've said this, on No Jumper, I've had this conversation with both Wheezy, with leaving the, the JBN, with just everything. You're, you're not going to keep both at the end. And I mm. think that that's what we're seeing happen here. Legal troubles or not, when you are on a podcast, not even podcast, you could have a startup, you could have a tech business, you could have a cleaning truck, a moving truck. If you're doing it with friends, when money becomes involved, when business becomes involved, all of that gets muddied and it's not going to remain healthy for me. It's your story. It's your story. Mandy, thank you for joining us. Look, thank you for you having guys, me. Yeah. I know that you guys said that that was the last tour. It's a lie. Y'all going to go back out. So, like, so, so real quick, you weren't at our very last live show. You know where we 
shut the shit down. Um, but uh, we did actually announce that our very last live show sold out Town Hall in New York City. That, shout out to Charlemagne, who has rocked with us forever. We will be touring again in 2025, but we will be touring hey. our book, not oh. the podcast, because we have a publishing deal with Black Privilege Publishing under Charlemagne's imprint. Wow. So we will be Congratulations. touring. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So we're not touring at all this year in preparation and also writing of the book to tour the book in 2025. Fantastic. Okay. What's the name of the book? I got a name yet? I can't, no, I can't give you that. You're not going to get that exclusive. Oh, we ain't said now. it yet on the come airwaves. On. But on. there is a name of it. I'll send, I'll send you the proposal. All right. Thank Rachel, you so thank much. you so much for having me as oh, well. So by nice to way, meet you, Manny. By the way, and I don't, this is not an ad, but let me tell y'all, higher learning can be viewed on Delta Airlines <laughs> under the <laughs> series tab. <laughs> So if you are flying a long flight on Delta, make sure you guys check out Higher Learning. It is available on your flight, okay? Thank you for that. Thank you. We appreciate that. <laughs> I was so proud to see that. Thank you guys for having me. All right, guys. Look, friends, no friends, work <laughs> friends. Y'all get in trouble, I'll show up for you. You know? You call Adam a piece of shit. You want to take that back or you want to I thought I proved my point. It may have helped. <laughs> Take these caps off with Do Not Stop Learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>